Good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's Joe and Joe Weather Show. After a three-day break, uh, much needed, by the way, a three-day break. And uh, Joe Rayo is on my left, and I am Joe Chaffee. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show is brought to you by the folks at Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York right on Long Island, the place to go if you need anything to get your yard in ship shape for the autumn season, which is approaching. And by the way, they are getting salt in already. And uh, due to uh, supply chain issues, there is going to probably be a bit of a salt shortage. So just bear that in mind if you're thinking ahead to the winter time. Uh, check prices because they will have the lowest prices around. 631-756-1125 is the phone number there. So give them a call for the best prices in town, omnitruevalue.com. And as autumn approaches, so does Halloween. And then Christmas, will, uh, the holidays will be here soon enough. Wholesale holiday lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs, whether it's whether you want your home decorated for the holidays or maybe you want to decorate someone else's home as part of your own business. 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, 631-957-5106. The phone number there and the website is liholidaylighting.com. So, Mr. Rayo. Um, I read your post uh, with a little bit more of uh, uh, Ida post analysis. Uh, I think your analysis and the observation that this is as much an infrastructure problem than it is uh, as it is a problem with excessive rainfall is very much spot on. Uh, it's it's quite clear that the infrastructure here is not uh, capable of handling uh, once in a generation or two generations or a 100-year uh, type event like what we just had. And, and let's let's put all this in perspective also, because the rainfalls from Henri and I I, I got a rainfall chart I'm going to show a little in a little bit, Joe. Just exactly how we had four during the month of August, and this is coming off months before that that were on the wet side. But during the month of August, we had probably four months worth of rain squeezed into that 30 day time frame, and the bulk of that came in the last 10 days. Uh, the time between Henri and Ida uh, probably put down two thirds to three quarters of, of that rainfall. So, I mean, you really just had everything primed for um, a wholesale flooding event like we did. No question, Joe. And I think you're being a little kind by talking about once in every 20 or 50 or 100 year generational events, because look, I, I live, I've been living up here in the Hudson Valley now for close to 20 years. And of course, I covered the Hudson Valley weather on News 12 since 1995. And even when we had couple of inches of rain. There were parts of the uh, of the Hudson Valley, uh, or, uh, parts of the parkways, most notably, the Sawmill, the Hutch, uh, the Springbrook Parkway. I mean, these are places that flood out at the drop of a hat. And uh, just seeing last week what we were going to be uh, fa coming face to face with, you, I, I mean, I knew that it was just going to be not just flooding of those parkways, that it was going to be flooding of, of the entire region. Uh, it was it was amazing. And down in Mamaroneck, I mean, I know the folks in Mamaroneck, I hope they didn't forget the great nor'easter of 2007, which almost devastated uh, that area with uh, rain and uh, onshore flooding events. I mean, these, these are events that have been happening quite a bit more frequently. And simply put, this area that we all are living on, which was probably developed a good 80 or 100 years ago, simply can't take it. I mean, they, they, it was not built right. for, 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 the, for the population, for the necessary drainage. It simply, it simply And that, that also goes for New York. We now know what New York's Achilles heel is. We now know that in New York City proper, if it, if it rains— more than six inches in a short interval of time in any one spot in the city, 
that city is going to be prone to prone to severe flooding, which is exactly what happened. And the thing that really tipped me ticked me off was that statement by Governor by by Mayor De Blasio that um, the the forecasts were, were were terrible. They did badly, and we we were saying on average three to six inches, a few higher spots, and that pretty much was what happened because there were portions of New York, the five boroughs that had something like well JFK at two point seven inches, right. parts South of Shore, Brooklyn, Long the Southern half of Long Island was basically about two, on average, is about two inches. And then once you went north of the LIE, it was a, a four to six, four to seven, even some eight-inch amounts showed up. And I think even— uh, It really was not like, a bad forecast. It really was not at no, all. No, the forecast was—the forecast—I think you're being—I you're, you're being, uh, I think you're not stressing enough how good the forecasts were. Not well, what just, I'm saying is—see, the, the media concentrated— on those areas like Staten Island, right. they got nine inches, and parts of New Jersey got nine inches or whatever. And as I said in my statement on Friday, unfortunately, we don't have the technology. We can look at these things and then feel it in our gut that there are going to be places that are going to end up with more than, let's say, the six inches that we were alluding to. But you you simply can't point to that one specific area and say, that's who's going to get right Because you can't. You can't no. do that. No, but I mean, what, how many times? How many times do we try to do that? Where we say it looks like the max area, especially in the winter time when we're dealing with snow. How many times do we? Does it happen where you 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 think that the max area is going to be point A, uh, and it turns out to be at points B, C, and D, uh, or 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 reverse? Because as you said, uh, the the mod models as good as they are are not good enough to pinpoint everybody's zip code. Uh, and Correct. I, I am just. What, but here's my question. Go ahead. This is my question. To, this is my question to Mayor De Blasio. All right, Mayor, Mr. Mayor, if we had said instead of three to six, if we had said six to ten inches of rain, what would you have done? What could anybody have done? Yeah. With the lousy, with the lousy inter infrastructure that is in the New York City metropolitan area, what could you have done? There's still going to be. And I, and Joe, you're absolutely right. A lot of these people who's very sadly. Uh, either became severely injured or lost their lives, were basically in apartment complexes or apartment basement apartments that were illegal. Yeah. They shouldn't have been down there. And, and 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 you know what? They're they're there. There's a whole host of long reasons why they're there. They were those those illegal apartments have been there since you and I lived in in, in the Bronx. Uh, so this is nothing new. Uh, you know, land landlords uh, get cash rent. Uh, the uh, tenants don't care that they don't have the coded safety features that are required, uh, an, a, a, an extra exit, for example. Uh, land, uh, owner, homeowners don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to, uh, to meet these requirements. Uh, they keep things under the cover. Uh, they, don't, they don't pay taxes on the rent. And, and you know, everybody benefits. The, 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 well, the, the, the person getting the apartment gets something ch that he, cheaper than he otherwise would have to pay, and, and the owner gets gets a uh, a tax free ride. So I mean that that is all that's all woven in to to, to the part of this equation. Well, but I will just going back to the uh, pontifications of gas bags, and we all know <laughs> yes, um, I, I, I'm gathering that you read my post today. I waited yes. about three days because. Oh. You know, it's on my it's on my, both of my Facebook pages, yeah. Joe. I, 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 tend, I tend to, I tend to get a little short tempered about this kind of stuff. You know me. I get I'm very you know get a little touchy, I, mainly because of the fact that you know, you know you and I put in a lot of work, uh, and much of what we do is out there for free. People are not paying for it. Okay, so uh, you know, we put in a lot of time and a lot of work into into what we do because we enjoy what we do very much. Uh, and it just galls me sometimes when you've got these armchair quarterbacks out there. Now, I will tell you this. with and I'm just judging from I had a lot of responses and a lot of wonderful comments uh, on my posts. And I saw and I read through a number of wonderful comments on yours. Now, as of when I last checked at about seven o'clock, I only saw one negative comment on on your page that really? I, that I responded to uh, someone said that uh, Ida made a mockery 
of forecasts of the forecasts. And well, that's what that's what De Blasio said, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, okay, sure. Um, I, again, going back to what you said, I don't know what you what they expected. We're the e we're easy to throw under the bus. Why? Right. Very simply because um, everybody will join in on that parade. However, and this is a big however, Joe. If, if going by the number of comments, and I know it's not scientific, but I'll tell you something, uh, the comments revealed to me the fact that the vast majority of people, the vast majority of people did know that this was coming, okay? Did know right. uh, the extent of uh, and the severity of what was to come. So they know that what they're hearing is, as I, as I refer to, gas baggery. And there, there are a, a couple of great points that were made. Um, how, come, how come when in the wintertime, um, where uh, states of emergencies are put into, into place at the drop of a hat, at the fall of a flurry, we have a state of emergency, okay? At the fall of an inch or two, we have a state of, of emergency. How come the state of emergencies didn't go up this time? I mean, I know there's a difference between how people perceive and handle rain versus snow, but I beg the question. Um, the rainfall severity was known. The flash flood potential was known. Um, again, I, I, I put that out there, and kudos to the person on my Facebook page that, that brought that point up. Also, from the standpoint of being maybe a little clearer, and I thought this was very valid, um, you know, we put out— we put out forecasts of rain in terms of inches, okay? But uh, as this one post, uh, one person posted on my Facebook page, especially for the folks in urban areas, not so much in rural areas, because they're a little more savvy with this sort of stuff. And, and, and you know, you kind of know when you live in a rural area, if you live in a river, how, near a river or a stream, how much rainwater causes the water to rise so many feet. But maybe if we're in a situation like this, and it's a hard thing to do to put into context to say, okay, if we get, say, five inches of rain, how high is the water going to get in a certain spot? Five inches of rain, does that mean some places might get two, three, two feet of water, three feet of standing water? It's a very, very hard thing to figure. Uh, but it is, it's, it's valid. Uh, I, I think it's a valid point because, it, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a number translating. You're kind of, in a way, you're sort of translating apples to oranges here. Uh, so, you know, maybe if we gave a context to say, okay, we're going to expect, uh, you know, X number of inches of rain. So if you live in this area, you may wind up seeing, you know, standing water, river overflows of up to several feet. Some of that's already done, is, is being done, but maybe they need to kind of expand a, a little bit more on that, particularly for urban areas. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, you know, Joe, it's, as I said, just from a few minutes ago, there really isn't much that we could do or much that the uh, that New York State or New York City can do when we know that we're going to be receiving a tremendous amount of rain, let's say in excess of six inches. Up until that, up until six inches, what, what we have out there now pretty much will hold. But beyond that, and unfortunately, again, there were parts of uh, the immediate New York area that received more than that. Uh, there were areas of New Jersey that received more than that. And that's where we saw all of the uh, all of the major severe flooding conditions, but uh, you know I don't know what we could have done. We being the forecasters in this particular uh, instance, after all of the and you're right, there, there you know you would have thought that there would have been more. I I, I always said you know whenever uh, even a, even the remnants of a tropical system were heading our way, that you'd see the mainstream media put it on as a headline and start off their news with this. Maybe it's simply because that they, they their their news uh, roster or their uh, their their uh, number of stories that they had to cover last week was rather heavy. They had that. They had the pandemic. They had a couple of other things as well. And this just got lost in the in the shuffle. People, but people, I think knew it was gonna we were gonna we were gonna get significant rainfall. I'm just annoyed, like I said, that uh, they uh, the, the the politicians the best the best line regarding the politicians is a line taken from the movie Blazing Saddles, which, which was uttered by uh, Mel Brooks. You may remember he's talking to Headley. Uh, Headley. Headley. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, gentlemen, we have to, 
Gentlemen, we have to save our phony baloney jobs. It, well, harumph, harumph, it, harumph, harumph, it's harumph. true. Uh, I had I had so Blame far, the weather forecasters. The, oh, of course, because like you know we're we're, we're easy. We're we're, we're very yeah. easy, and no one no you know who's who's going to publicly step up to defend us. Uh, but right. I was saying about the two negative comments. Um, you know, one person on my page said um, uh, 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 that referred to my post as a way of patting ourselves on the back that we got one right compared to all the ones that we got wrong. I, of course, took care of that person immediately by, you know, I was very point blank and just said, just one in all, in the, in all the years, just one. We've only gotten one right. OK, you know, let, let me, I want to be clear that on that, just just the one. OK. Right. And uh, I just basically told him it was that was a, that was an, that was just a, you know, a stupid and insulting remark uh, to make. Uh, the other person was. I don't know what the, you know, the other person to me is the kind, I guess I, the best way to describe this, this response was to say, uh, was, was, as I referred to them, uh, the armchair quarterbacks who sit there and, you know, these are people who think they know everything about everything. Uh, and in reality, they know very little about very little. And, you know, this person was complaining because a tornado warning was put out at nine o'clock by the weather service. Uh, and uh, instead of uh, 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 telling people to go down into their basements, uh, the tornado warning for New York, for the Bronx and Westchester, um, telling people going to, into their basements when instead they should be putting up, should have been putting up a flash flood warning uh, because and getting out of those basements. And right. I, I, I said, you know, first of all, you can't. Well, obviously, you can have both things going on at the same time. Uh, the tornado warning was not was was well, he said because the tornado didn't exist. And my response was that the tornado warning was for a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado. Now, had they not put up the tornado warning and a tornado uh, had occurred, obviously that person would have been complaining about that. Uh, the flash flood warnings and the flash flood watches were there. So I, don't, I honestly don't know what the problem, uh, you know, what the problem was here. What is the problem here? Uh, but again, this is this is so, this is someone who, you know, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of people like this person who, you know, they think the whole world revolves around their zip code, or more importantly, revolves around their house. So if they don't see the death and destruction in front of them, it didn't happen. Uh, and and um, sadly, the reality is that 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 is um, not the case. That in fact. Uh, there was destruction and there was death. There were more deaths in the Northeast uh, than there were in Louisiana, where the hurricane made landfall. There were more tornadoes in New Jersey and Pennsylvania than there were in the Gulf states. Uh, in fact, virtually all of the tornadoes with this were up here in the Northeast with uh, with with Ida. I think there were. And that's why. And that's why the Storm Prediction Center put an enhanced chance of severe weather, not just a slight, but an enhanced chance for the areas that indeed did get hit with uh, tornadic activity. And I'm not talking about, you know, EF0s or EF1s. We've, we had EF2s EF three. and 3s. Threes. And EF3 Amazing. in southern New Jersey in the month of September. Oh my, you know, when does that happen? No. <laughs> and, and we're talking about, we're talking about an EF3, if you saw the videos, folks, if we put, we had it on here, but you could certainly find them uh, anywhere on Google. If you look at the video of that EF3 tornado, I mean, you would think you, you were somewhere in Kansas or Nebraska. You know, it was Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz all over again. And in fact, there was that one video uh, that, that was shot by a friend of mine uh, that uh, crossed the, uh, he got it when it was crossing the uh, the turnpike, uh, you know, at the toll booth. You see right. this 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 gigantic funnel uh, there moving from from west to east. It was it was it was crazy. You couldn't even you can't make this stuff up. But I, I just anyway, I, I just uh, I waited a couple of days because I think if I'd have posted right away, I probably would have said something that I would have wanted to take back. So I yeah. let myself calm down over the weekend, let things settle. I've said my piece. Uh, I really appreciate you know ninety nine percent of the comments. Except for those two, uh, the other you know ninety eight comments were um, very supportive uh, I, and clear that the, these people, you know, knew what was going on, and that most but not all people knew what was going on. And you know what, we did. Uh, at the end of the day, Joe, you and I know what the truth is. 
and 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 we have records of it. You can go to, to my YouTube channel and pull up the video from the Thursday, the day before Ida was even named, and just start there and take it through the Joe and Joe weather shows that we did all the way through. That that tells you everything you need to know uh, as far as how much warning and how how much information that we were putting out there going into all of this. So I, I have no, you know, I feel good about what I did. I feel good about what you did. Um, there's nothing here that we have to apologize for. So, and by the way, standing open invitation for any politician who would like to come on and have a civil oh. conversation. I promise that we will be gentle, okay? We will be very gentle. But if you want to have a civil conversation about this and issues relating to, to this, the door is open. I've been watching my email, you know, I'm waiting for my email box to fill up with folks wanting to come on and have a, a conversation uh, regarding uh, what just happened. And, you know, maybe we could do, come up with something constructive. We'll see. And um, I, uh, I'm, yeah. Well, no, no I was, I'm sorry. You go because I've been, I've been winded. I've been, I'm getting winded here. Go on. I, I was just going to say that on my, uh, my commentary about this, I said toward the end, that uh, there have been indeed cases where we've taken it on the chin, so to speak, uh, especially during the winter season with snowstorms. There have been times when we have been wrong. This was not one of those times, Mayor de Blas. And the other thing was thing that, that, that blew me away was what uh, our new governor, uh, Governor Hochul, said. She said, nobody told me they between 855 and 955. The heavens opened up. Nobody told me about that. Was that was that predictable? And of course, uh, the day before, I had mentioned here on Joe and Joe and posted on both of my Facebook pages about the fact that uh, the uh, NAM FOOS, the tabular data, was indicating that between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. Thursday morning, that over three inches of rain was going to fall. And I said, "My God, that's 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 like 80 to 90 percent worth of the month of September." Falling in that six-hour time frame, I mean that that was a red flag right there. That in that 8 p.m. 2 a.m. time frame, right. we were going to see we were going to get hit hard. And by the way, we that, told the governor about that. And then the nighttime boost that followed that I messaged you. You probably I was already asleep when you responded about what which which had I think they gave like nine inches of rain uh, for Laguardia. Uh, on that particular food, so some really crazy, you know, total. But it turned out not to be that crazy uh, in terms of a uh, a total number. Yeah, but you know something, Joe, with these big, the, the big cheeses that are up in the front of the camera, as far as you know, De, De, De Blasio. Well, I, I won't say what I usually call him, um, but De Blasio and and the governor. I didn't know. You know, it's probably true. That it's probably that they didn't know. Okay, themselves. Uh, uh, but you know what? The staff didn't know. The people that worked for them didn't know, okay? Or if they did know, they decided that this was not anything worth, um, you know, reporting to the higher-ups and saying, hey, we might have a problem here. So I think you, they have to look inside their houses and um, inside their own, you know, inside their, their own circles with their aides and their advisors and everything else and figure out, okay, well, how do we get the, how do we get better weather information the next time around? Because obviously, you know, I, 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 I it's not hard for me to believe that uh, it, it wasn't funneled up to the top and for the person at the top. So the person at the top could say, okay, maybe we need to do something or another, or maybe it was, and they decided, decided that it was, you know, all BS and that they just blew it off. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I, like, this happens in management. This we we know, and, and this has nothing to do with weather. But we know the story about uh, the, leading up to the Challenger explosion, where there were a couple of uh, engineers who tried their best to warn NASA and uh, Morton Thiokol that what happened, that eventually what happened could happen. And I remember uh, one of the reports said that they turned to one of these engineers and said, "Take off your engineer cap and put on your management cap." And look at it from our point of view, that uh, we can't possibly uh, not launch because of uh, blah, 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 blah. And they launched and you saw what happened. I'm sure in particular case that there were five media offices right. that told 
some of these intelligence, look, this is what's going to happen, and it's going to be bad, and we're going to get this much rain. And in, uh, the hierarchy must have said something like, well, is it really going to be that bad? You know, because we've had this before, and you people have uh, always overdone what blah, 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 blah. And this time, unfortunately, for the blah, 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 it, it didn't turn out the way uh, wah, the blah, blah, blah. Wah, wah, wah. Exactly. Yes, exactly. ma'am. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, two super chats. Right. Two uh, super chat hits tonight. The one from Leon Pervitsky, or is he's uh, better known as uh, Leon of Lindenhurst, <clears throat> and uh, his uh, video tonight uh, from Lindenhurst is on my Facebook page. If you want to take a look at it, thank you, Leon. And also, <clears throat> your uh, New York State strip dinner looked very good. Mine would look just as nice from Texas Roadhouse, except I had a I had a ribeye tonight. And uh, here's a question from uh, Alexandria Downey, who hit Super Chat tonight. Thank you, Alexandria. And Joe, she has a question for you. Could the solar flares have affected the severity of Ida for us here in the Northeast? That is I question. doubt it. I doubt it. First of all, there were, there were a few flares in the last week or so. One that happened about four or five days ago, there was an M-class flare, which was pretty a pretty good flare. But... I, I doubt it because a lot of these flares were relatively minor. For me to even find, we would need one of these X-class flares, right. the kind that pushes the visibility of the aurora all the way down to Florida or whatever like that. We had nothing like that. And again, another contentious issue because there are people who believe that solar activity does have a say in our weather, and there are many others who say, no, it has nothing to do with our weather. Um, the Ice Age, the Little Ice Age of the 17th century was more likely caused by volcanic activity, not by solar activity. Again, one one side says one thing, the other side says another. I doubt very much if uh, solar activity or the solar flares, uh, these minor outbursts, had anything to do with with Ida. We know what we we know what happened with Ida. We we saw that. You know what? You want to know what supercharged Ida was? That area right. of ninety degree water right off of the Gulf Coast. And what uh, su supercharged it again when it was up in our neck of the woods was that trough of low pressure, Joe, that we spoke about for one or two days before it arrived here, that trough of low pressure in yep. the Great Lakes, which came in, coalesced, and, we, and more or less juiced up yep. the remnants of Ida. We talked about that, that Monday and Tuesday. You could see it on I, the satellite. as Wednesday, when, we, when it was all going on Wednesday, we, you, you saw that upper trough just start enhancing cloud. I, I showed it on my early video that day on Weather in 5. You could see the uh, upper trough swinging in and enhancing all the clouds across West Virginia and Western Maryland, and that was all coming up uh, to the Northeast. By the way, Joe, just, like, uh, just getting some weird like buzzing sound every once in a while. It might be on your mic, so I don't know if maybe if it's moving or something, but uh, it's it's gone away. It might but... be because I'm moving. Might be because I'm moving because it could be. I'm, not, I'm still I'm anxious, you know. And and all of you folks who take Joe's advice and look back on last week's Joe and Joe shows that we that we had, and at, at, not once but twice uh, last week. Uh, as Ida was about to move in, and the, the mention of this upper trough coalescing with Ida, plus the fact I mentioned that uh, whenever there's tropical moisture involved, and certainly there was tropical moisture in this particular case, that I said sometimes I've seen cases where the model guidance is off in terms of uh, rain amounts. And I said sometimes you have to double or even triple, triple. They triple the amounts. And you said, and this is a direct quote, right. you said, all right. That being the case, I'll say maybe eight inches. Please, let's not go go to twelve inches. Right, please. please do not go anywhere near twelve. Well, <laughs> I know, uh, but you know, it was it was on the table being discussed as a possibility. And and the the bottom line is that that the magnitude of of what was happening was certainly front and center. By the way, um, part of the folks among the folks that commented, whose names I will mention. Uh, Chris Cimino, uh and John Marshall, and you know it's it's wonderful it, it, and and it's great. I mean, you know, two New York weather legends there uh, commenting on on my my uh, post and thank you guys uh, very much. But Joe, I mean, to top it off, the best one. And it, and it floored me. He didn't comment directly, but he responded to someone else who brought up the, you know, all of this is being controlled by somebody. 
and and he thanked that person for bringing levity to the conversation. <laughs> uh, is the 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 legend Don Paul, the great Don Paul from uh, from uh, Buffalo, from the the ABC. I believe it was the ABC wow. station in Buffalo. So when you know Don Paul, I saw I saw, and then I clicked on his his. Um, you know, his, the picture on Facebook to make sure it was the Don Paul. And it's like, oh my God, the Don Paul is reading this. This is awesome. You, uh, if you're watching this, Don, you blew me away today. Thank you so much for commenting. And if you ever want to come on the show, we'd love to have you. Uh, in fact, I'm kind, you know, I'm kind of thinking about maybe gathering a group of us, you know, old meteorologists that are uh, sitting around in the retirement homes these days. Uh, and, and and having having this conversation again uh, as a group. Uh, the other thing, uh, before I get to the second thing I wanted to talk about tonight, and you know, given the fact that we really don't have a lot of weather to talk about, you know, we we, we can go on for a little while. Uh, the chairman just hit super chat. Uh, thank you, uh, Scott. A uh, picture worth a thousand words. He says the Joe and Joe for show forecasts were priceless. Thank you so much, very much for the for for the uh, compliment and the support. Uh, I have make to sure you we we on on the chat board. Uh, uh, Leon of Lindenhurst just said we need Alan Casper, so you need to tell Mr. Casper that. I think you're going to be seeing him well, very soon. Aren't yes, you? I'm going to see him tomorrow, so I will tell him personally. Uh, yes. Trust me, I've been trying to get him to come on, so he's just a little bit shy. But if we can get the whole, if we can get a whole group of us seniors, it'll be you know that would be a fun thing to do. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk, bring up and talk about, because it's it's very personal for me, uh, and I also have not put something up yet. Um, I might do so, I'll probably do so in a couple of days. Uh, we, uh, this weekend, and it was funny because we, we uh, uh, and odd, because we did bring up uh, the conversation when we had with Bob Breck uh, from uh, WVUE, formerly of WVUE, my former colleague and boss when I worked in New Orleans. Uh, about Willard Scott, and uh, Willard Scott passed away this weekend uh, at the age of 87. And I mean, you know this, Joe. Not many people may know this, but uh, my uh, the two years that uh, my my uh, junior and senior year when I was in college, I was also working uh, on the Today Show as his producer uh, from 1980 to 1982. And uh, I have to say, uh, he was just absolutely it was a it's it to say it was a critical and wonderful experience for me is really understating it uh willard was amazing fun uh a showman he taught me you know the showman side of the of this business that i wanted to become part of uh he was very kind to me in those two years. We used to go every every once in a while. We used to go to breakfast uh, in Manhattan, which at the time it would cost you like thirty bucks for two people to eat for breakfast, and it was you know that in nineteen eighty, thirty bucks was a lot of money. <laughs> okay, but uh, my point is that he was just a really kind, gracious man. If it wasn't for him, I never would have discovered potato skins. Um, I got to visit him at his, at his home, at his farmhouse in Virginia, when I worked with him down for the for the Ronald Reagan inauguration in 1980. I went with him to Detroit for the Republican National Convention in 19, uh, also in 1980. And the inauguration was in 1981 for Ronald Reagan. Uh, I have so many wonderful memories of working with him, and uh, he was always a happy guy for the most part. I mean, not everybody's happy 100% of the time, but. He was uh, he was a, a very happy, upped person, wonderful to be around. His um, his his uh, attitude was infectious. When you were near him, you could only help but feel good, and he made other people feel good about themselves too. And and um, you know, I haven't seen him. I hadn't seen him in many many years. I think probably the last time I saw him, I think was sometime in the early '90s when I accidentally ran into him at uh, at Thirty Rock. So. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to put that out there. Very sad to hear uh, that he's passed away. He was a great guy and um, an influence on my on my career, and I uh, I'm forever grateful for that. Well, when I was working the overnight shift, 
maybe not too many people remember that Larry King, the late Larry King, had an overnight radio show that he did from uh, Washington, D.C. And he'd actually get celebrity guests to come on the show, even at that ungodly hour of midnight to 2 or midnight to 3 a.m. And uh, sometimes when Larry would come into the studio and uh, meet with the the guests, they would they would throw open the uh, phone line so you could talk to people. They had 10 phone lines. And sometimes, you know, eight phone lines would be on, nine phone lines, seven lines. You'd see the lines would be blinking, and Larry King would say, oh, we have a couple of open phone lines. But I remember the night when Willard Scott was Larry King's guest, and Larry King kept mentioning over and over again that when when they arrived, all 10 lines were, light, were lit up, and there wasn't once, as soon as he would talk to somebody and, you know, move on to another, that line would light up again. He said, I don't remember, and I don't have the exact number, but we're probably setting a record tonight with the number of people who are calling in just to want to just to speak to Willard Scott. And Willard may have been a morning person, but on that overnight show, he was just as robust, vivacious as he was on camera. He was very funny. I remember I laughed a couple of times. Somebody asked him about Gordon Barnes, Joe. Yeah. And, Gordon, and he made the and he made the comment about Gordon Barnes. He said, "Oh, my good friend Gordon Barnes. He could forecast the weather four years from now, but he can't tell us what is going to happen tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> and I almost I fell on the floor when he said that. That was a that was amazing. You couldn't help but I'll but, tell you. You couldn't help but like him. You really and, couldn't and, help but like him. Now, somebody here on the chat board, I think it was yeah Keith James, uh, the second. He says Ira Joe Fisher's still around. There's a story about that. Ira Joe Fisher's on Facebook, and I uh, and uh, uh, somebody had posted uh, his memories of of um, of him. Uh, he said that as soon as he came into the New York market at WABC Channel Seven, and his shtick, Ira Joe's shtick at the time was he used to do the weather by writing backwards. You remember right. this, Joe? Yeah, I he remember. used to he'd do a he'd have a weather map, and he'd actually be doing the the forecast and everything backwards with this uh, grease pan or something like that. Anyway, when uh, when he came into town, he gets this phone call from Willard. And Willard says, hey, Ira Joe, how are you? How are you, you old rattlesnake? He says, <laughs> what's, what's, what's going on? He says, hey, why don't you and I get together tomorrow for lunch at 30 Rockefeller Plaza? <laughs> and like, he comes to Rockefeller Plaza, and there's Willard Scott, and they go up to the 65th floor, Willard got a window seat so he could look out over the skyscraper of the York, and he didn't realize that Ira Joe had this uh, problem. Uh, he, he was a little uh, leery about heights, heights, and you could see it, and you could see it on his, on his face. He said, "Oh boy, sorry, old buddy." Hey, and he called over one of the Mater D's. He said, "Could you get a, a curtain to close this so that we don't have a view?" <laughs> yeah, that's. I uh... mean, that's that was that was that was Willard, and I remember, and one of the I, I envy you. Joe, you watch guy, your mic, Joe. You, I, you're, you're you're dancing around. Watch your mic. <laughs> all right. Well, I you I, I I'm agreeing with him because not only did you meet him, but you had a chance to work with him. I one of the great uh, things uh, that I am sorry about is that I never at least had a chance to say hello to him and uh, shake his hand and just say uh, how how great he was on on television all those years on the Today Show. I once got a phone call from a friend of mine at NASA. Uh, Joyce Milliner at Wallops Island. He called out of the blue, and I knew there wasn't any launch. I said, Joyce, what are you calling for? I mean, are you going to have a secret launch or something? He said, and he said, no, I just want to ask you something. He said, do you know Wheeler Scott? And I said, no, I don't. Why? He says, well, I had my grandma turn 100. I was hoping you'd be able to get a message to Will to mention her on his TV show, <laughs> the Smucker's 100th birthday thing. I said, I, did, I, I didn't know. I didn't know him. So and that shows you how how great the guy was and how popular he was. And uh, uh, I hope he had a safe trip Saturday morning uh, when uh, when he passed into the great beyond. Well, he might be he baby. Baby's watching now. I, you know, I like I said for me it was a uh, it was a wonderful experience, and um, you know, it, it it really helped me for myself going forward with regards to my career. And I, uh, I love the guy. He was terrific. So, and there were a lot of people who were upset with him, with Willard Scott, because if you remember, Willard Scott came to the today show and he displaced a very competent, very high 
Riley eventually I switched places with Willard because he became um, the local meteorologist WRC down in Washington, D.C., the NBC affiliate down right. there. But a lot of people were upset because, you know, who is this guy, Willard Scott, who gets dressed up like Carmen Miranda and is always laughing and kidding around or whatever like that? Why can't we have somebody like Bob Ryan? And one of the people who actually wrote, do you remember this, Joe? A secret classified uh, uh, in, inner office me- uh, memo uh, saying that uh, he didn't think that Willard Scott was good for the Today Show was Brian Gumble. You remember that? Yes. And Brian Gumble was like, and he and and somebody, of course, leaked the memo, and immediately Brian Gumble got blowback from from this from from everybody saying, "How could you say this about this wonderful man, Willard Scott, or whatever like that?" He actually I didn't was, like. I him. was there when that happened, so I I remember it. I, I was there when well, that, that occurred, so that was uh, that was not a fun time. <laughs> but I'm sure that Willard didn't bear him any grudges and probably said, "Hey." Hey, listen, buddy, just rolled off my back. I could, I could well, tell Willard would say something like that. Well, maybe he didn't. He, well, <laughs> <laughs> it would took a, it took a while. Let's let's leave it. Let's put it at that way. Well, it, it right. took a while. Happy birthday right. to Christina Pedia, by the way, who's a regular here. Uh, we wish you well and uh, all many happy returns of the day. Uh, so. Uh, Happy, happy birthday. Okay. Uh, as I said, just to finish off this whole conversation with regards to uh, to uh, Ida, and I mentioned at the beginning of the show about uh, rainfall. This is uh, this map uh, shows uh, the rainfall. It's hard to see because of all the colors, but where you see the purple, that's all eastern Pennsylvania, the northern half of New Jersey, Long Island, uh, most of Connecticut, the lower Hudson Valley. The purple is all 10 to 15 inches of rain. This is for the 30-day period going back to August the, I was, uh, the these are the last 30 days. So actually, this map is is a few days off, but uh, this goes back to August 2nd. And uh, the uh, purple uh, that you see across uh, northern New Jersey, uh, there uh, from the turnpike north to about Route 78, uh, that's all 15 to 20 inches, and those little white dots are 20 plus inches. So basically it's about three to four months worth of rain that all fell in about 30 days time and the bulk of it falling uh, in the uh, in the last two weeks. Let's also get um, uh, Harvey, I'm sorry, Harvey. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. Harvey. No, Harvey, no, Larry. <laughs> Larry. Right, Harvey <laughs> is the honeymooners, Larry is the three stooges, I get that. Uh, but uh, there is Larry, uh, the one dominating feature yeah, they talked about this becoming an annular hurricane back when it was first forming. And I don't know, they haven't really said anything about it since, but uh, geez, I mean, it kind of looks like one. I mean, I could be wrong. They have all the technical stuff to figure that out, but a very large eye there, uh, still a category three hurricane of just, you know, completely it stands out with everything that's out in the Atlantic, which isn't much. It's just the one hurricane. And it seems as if we are going into this this period right now where things are calming down just a little bit. The tropical waves out in the Atlantic, particularly the ones as you look out east, are on the weakish side. Uh, there's some disturbed weather moving into the Gulf of Mexico uh, that the models were trying to key on. Something weak developing uh, later this week, and then maybe moving off the southeast coast. And the Hurricane Center is talking about that on their outlooks. But uh, conditions in the upper atmosphere are not really all that favorable for tropical cyclone development. There's a lot of upper, little upper lows running around that are creating uh, wind shear. But Larry seems to be in that one zone where uh, things are holding up. And as far as the track of Larry is concerned, and I'll bring it up on the GFS, you can follow. Yeah, wait a minute, Joe. But, yeah. Joe, before you show that that track. I'm I'm sharing right now. To show show the track that I have. On, oh, hold on, on, just a second. I'll uh, I'll flip the window <laughs> here. I'm gathering. Yeah. <laughs> did you do that? No, I did not. This was. <laughs> I have to thank. Oh, that's I genius. Have to, I have to thank our legendary friend in uh, in New York weather, Craig Allen, who came up with this on his uh, Facebook page this afternoon. And I said, I've just got to, t- I've got to use this. Because oh, that's just this, genius. That really this is. is. 
<laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, you can see that Larry's going to probably pass east of Bermuda by a fair distance. Hair, hair receding air, hairline and all. And, hey, porcupine. Yeah, exactly. And uh, make, a, make a fairly close pass to, to southeastern Newfoundland uh, uh, late this week and, and go Friday into Saturday. So that that'll be uh, the GFS kind of shows it uh, just clipping southeastern Newfoundland, but it, it, it passes well offshore. Now, the surf here is, is going to start getting a bit rough, uh, certainly from Wednesday on as the hurricane goes by. And there you see it there by uh, Friday evening. It's actually right over uh, near St. John's, Newfoundland there in southeastern uh, Newfoundland. And then it goes on its merry way south of Greenland and between Iceland and Greenland into the Arctic uh, uh, death zone, the Arctic graveyard that uh, tropical cyclones occasionally find themselves in at the end of their life cycle. So um, no effect here. And if we look, at least for now, uh, you, while you can see there are these waves that are moving uh, westward uh, in, the, uh, in the tropical Atlantic as we move into next week and beyond, None of them are being developed by the models at this time. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't develop, but um, there's one here, but this is way out, you know, 11, 12 days from now. So who knows if that's going to be, if that's real or not. Uh, we seem to be going into this, this period where things seem to be quieting down for a while. And, and Joe, that's, that's perfectly natural if you, if, after you've had such a run that we've had from uh, the beginning, from uh, what was it, August 8th or 9th, when Fred played right. in until we got uh, through Larry here, you know, we've had what, uh, F, G, H, I, J, K, seven tropical systems in about less than 30 days. Yeah, that's a very, very active uh, stretch. So if it goes quiet for a week or two, uh, it wouldn't be that unusual. Even in an active season, you get these little lull periods. Right. One thing I think we could say with some surety, and, and now, Lord help me for saying this, it looks like we're not going to approach or match the number of tropical cyclones that we had last year. Oh, we knew that was going to happen. I mean, well, we knew that. But you never know, right? No, <laughs> but yeah, but no, last year was such an exceptional year. But you, again, right. now that I got the maps back on the screen, you can see the close pass there Friday night, uh, southeastern, uh, southeastern part of Newfoundland, and then uh, on it goes. And then these, you know, no standout waves. There are a few of them that roll across the Atlantic there. Um, you know, one or two of them may try to develop, but nothing that is, seems to be pressing. And, and by the way, the models have also were trying to show something um, late uh, later next week, going in something major, maybe going into Texas, but they've really backed off from that. Now, it may come back to the same place at some point and, and bring that back in. But for now, uh, they've really sort of backed off on that uh, idea. And here's the tropical weather outlook just to, to show you. So they just left... The thing in the Southwest Gulf, they left at zero and 30 as far as a, a chance of formation over the next five days, and there's nothing else going on. So the next thing, front and center, Joe, is you know, starting to see in September, as we get into September, oh, the, the satellite kind of changes. It's like the whole atmosphere, somebody seems to flip a switch on uh, at some point. So you're, you're going into September, and it really is starting to feel like September. We had a beautiful day today after the clouds got out, out of the way early this morning. Uh, there were some showers and thunderstorms that are still up going on in Maine, but much of the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic states enjoyed a, a, a really delightful day. Tomorrow looks great uh, with the sunshine. And then we have uh, the next cold front, and you can already see that upper trough uh, <clears throat> coming down into the Northern Plains. We got this active Northwest flow setting up for the next couple of weeks. It's just going to be interesting. And we're going to get fronts coming through every three or three days or so. And it doesn't look like it's going to get hot for any, you know, any long stretch at, at least. Um, and the humidity is going to be pretty reasonable for the next uh, overall for the next week or so. Yes, I agree. And uh, we said uh, we have been saying for the last few, uh, few shows that uh, we're back to the same kind of pattern that we were in during June and July, where we get these frequent uh, short waves or troughs coming through every three or four days, which precludes any long stretch of heat and humidity. We did not see that in August. In August, we, we went through a long stretch of like eight, nine, 10 days of high humidity and or uh, uh, warm to hot conditions. That's not gonna happen with this fast or progressive flow that we're seeing right now as we move 
through this uh, month of September. And thank, thank goodness for that. By the way, Joe, 50 degrees at my house on Friday morning oh. and 52, 52 degrees on Saturday morning. Isn't it was it absolutely lovely. It was Isn't, lovely. Yes. AC is yes. off, windows open. Great weather here. Not much going yep. on on the radar tonight. Uh, pretty quiet uh, across the, uh, the Northeast, the Mid-Atlantic states. There's some scattered action going on in parts of the Southeast. Nothing to write home about. Some scattered action in Florida. You can see what's going on in eastern Maine with some showers and storms. That was the only area today that SPC had a, a marginal risk for severe weather uh, indicated. Uh, up in northern Minnesota, we're seeing some showers. Across central Texas, we're seeing some showers. But much of the nation is pretty quiet. The Storm Prediction Center has a marginal risk up in northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, and that marginal risk now is just left over in eastern Maine. For tomorrow, we're looking at a um, slight risk for Michigan into northern Indiana and northeastern Illinois, including Chicago, uh, marginal risk uh, on either side of that, a small area of marginal risk in Oklahoma and into Kansas. But as you can see, from Maine to North Carolina, northern North Carolina, no thunderstorms are being forecast. And then on Wednesday, uh, for now, uh, at least with this next cold front approaching, uh, no severe weather is being indicated. SPC doesn't seem to be too excited about the prospects of severe weather on Wednesday, but they do have an area of general thunderstorms. We're not going to see dew points flying up to 70. It's not exactly, there's no real tropical forcing here. So uh, I'm thinking you know, while there might be the odd thunderstorm that could be on the strongest side, I'm leaning against any kind of severe weather risk for Wednesday at the moment. And you can see, I know we run, we we have two sponsors, and this is not really a sponsor, but I figured I would do my wife a favor here since she is one of the directors. And Joe, we never did get around to figuring out where we could have met and had some of the uh, people from our show, yeah, uh, who watch our show to uh, to meet with us. However. If, uh, if any of you are uh, care to be in the vicinity of uh, Putnam Valley, my home base, this weekend, the German-American Social Club of Peekskill is proudly uh, announcing that they're having their annual Oktoberfest under a gigantic uh, party tent, rain or shine. Well, we don't have to worry about rain. I think the weather is going to be just fine for this upcoming weekend, both this coming Saturday and Sunday at 11 Kramers Pond Road in uh, Putnam Valley. And if you're into German music, if you are into German food and German delicacies, this is the place to be this coming weekend. And besides that, uh, I will be there. <laughs> so if you want to meet one half of the Joe and Joe show, unless Joe, I know you want to head back back south this weekend. But yeah, you, I'm going to be heading. I'm going to be heading back. Uh, Ida took a lot out of me, and over the next couple of days, I got a few. I got stuff to do, but I, I got to get on. I, I got. I got to get back to uh, the log cabin. Well, I will. I will be there. No, I will mm. not be wearing my lederhosen for this. So, no, you're not going to see me there. But uh, Renata, she'll probably be wearing her her dendel, which is a German outfit. Uh, one of the uh, young ladies you see in this picture, uh, she's wearing an example of that. Uh, if you if you like German music. There's going to be great German music there, uh, great German food. And, Joe, guess what? There's going to be beer. Ah. <laughs> All the beer that you want to you have. Want. Let's flock All right the beer now. you want at the Oktoberfest. So if you have a chance, if you're, if you're in the neighborhood, come on down both Saturday and Sunday, 11 Kramers Pond Road, Putnam Valley. Is there a phone number? Yeah. Uh, you can call if you want more information, 845-528-5800. And uh, – that's eight four five five two eight. What was it? Five two eight fifty eight hundred. Eight four five five two eight fifty eight hundred, or eleven Kramers Pond Road, Putnam Valley, New York. Come, come one, come all to the Grand Oktoberfest. Out of this weekend. Uh, out of town. Do not call. Collect. Collect. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Let's let's just run through the the uh, rest of the weather stuff here. Uh, for tonight, and WPC was uh, <clears throat> indicating with these thunderstorms for Wednesday, they're actually showing about three quarters of an inch to an inch and a quarter in, in uh, eastern Pennsylvania and northwest New Jersey. Now, a lot of these areas are still underwater, so I don't think that uh, uh, I, I don't think they'll they would appreciate 
an, another three quarters of an inch to an inch and a quarter of rain, but it should come quickly. And at least from the standpoint of now until then, as in during tomorrow, unlike uh, the humid air mass that we were in for the days between Henri and Ida, at least the air is dry. So some of this moisture is evaporating. Uh, but just bear that in mind, folks, if you're in eastern PA, northwest New Jersey, and even up into the lower Hudson Valley and the Catskills, you know, it's not going to take much to set off a little bit of flash flooding if they wind up getting a stronger thunderstorm cell there. And this will come probably late, late Wednesday into Wednesday night. And then after that, uh, it, it really, again, it doesn't look to me, uh, if, if we're going to have this northwest flow from Canada basically dominating the weather picture uh, for the next uh, week or so, uh, and the fact that the tropics are pretty quiet, uh, nothing really of consequence is going to happen other than when, when these fronts go by. So you got this deep trough with the front that goes by on Wednesday, and you can see it here uh, with this amplifying trough and the westerlies going all the way down into northern Florida, which is going to make for some lovely dew points here Thursday, Friday, and into Saturday. When that finally lifts out, and you can see how it captures Larry there, the weak Atlantic Ridge this time around. So Larry gets just west of 60 and then moves northward, clips Newfoundland, and then goes goodbye. Uh, that lifts out the next trough already swinging in Sunday into Monday. There's another one that comes in right behind that uh, for the middle of next week. And then after that, uh, the westerlies pull up a little bit, but they're still overhead. The ridge starts to build back into the southeast for a little while. And then ultimately, you start to get more troughing coming in toward the end of the forecast period. And there's some debate about uh, with the, the models from run to run as to just how strong that ridge is going to be. This run was was stronger than some of the other ones, Joe, but I've seen a lot of runs lately that keep that northwest flow uh, alive and vibrant for the next uh, two weeks or so, which uh, will make it interesting if that winds up verifying, if only because it means that uh, we're going to have some nice, cool shots of air coming down from Canada and not much of an extended summer either. Now, what do you think about Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Joe? I mean, uh, in terms of the uh, frontal uh, passage, I'm, I'm thinking like maybe a half, maybe three quarters of an inch for a few folks, maybe. Um, certainly nothing like anywhere near compared to what we just went through with Ida, although some people might actually think, oh, no, it's going to rain and get, you know, that kind of thing. What do you, what do you think about you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, again, um, obviously, we're, the ground is still very compromised. So if somebody winds up getting into a heavier thunderstorm that puts down a quick inch of rain, you're going to have some flooding. Uh, I don't see, I don't think that's a controversial statement. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I don't see this, this is moving along. So you're working with, you're, you're pretty much working with what you got. So, um, and what you got is a cold front with an upper trough that's just going to keep going. So it's not like this is stalling out. It's not like we're getting a wave that's going to be developing on this. So, I mean, unless we wind up with a surprise round of severe weather, uh, and, and I, I'm not, I don't see that uh, right at, at the moment with what's going on in the upper air, I, I don't think it should be anything more than that. Right. It's funny. Right. Don't you feel tenuous right now? I mean, don't you feel uh, you're sort of like on tender hooks with what you're, what well, we're, you know, I mean, it's it, a delicate situation if it, if it, <laughs> given what's just happened, clearly. Right, right. But I mean, like the very mention of rain now in a weather forecast immediately, you know, sends out flares, so to speak, among uh, some parts of the media and uh, asking, you know, so are you sure that we're not going to see anything like what we just had with Ida has? No, no surprises, no surprise, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So we're right. shell shocked. We're shell shocked yeah. after after last week. Yeah, so it's, it it's, always happens. It's like when you it when, it's like when you get a traffic ticket you, and you haven't gotten one for 20 years, you suddenly think you're gonna get one uh, every five minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, so or we it. or we come off of a twelve to eighteen inch snowstorm and then four or five days later, here's a system coming through with maybe flurries or maybe an inch or two and Immediately, all the bells start ringing again. Like, and more snow is in the forecast. Yeah. How much? You know, exactly. Like, yeah. Sorry for the big yawn there. It's been a long day. All it right, is. so let's do a little. Uh, let's do a little late Jeopardy day brilar as we focus tonight on Le Parti Central and September records, Mr. Rayo. That is the category tonight. 
And since 1869, what is the highest temperature ever in uh, Le Parc de Centrale within one degree? One degree? Yes. You give me a one degree spread, Scott, no, on he, this? I know. He only gave you a one degree within one. The hottest temperature ever recorded at Central Park? In September. In September. Uh, dare I say they might have been a, a stray 100 in that list or whatever? I don't think so, though. I'll say 90. I'll say 98. No, Mr. Rayo. 102 in September. 102. Wow. 102 on September 2, 1953. Wow. Okay. Now, that was a hot decade. The 50s were a very hot decade. Yes. I, you know, so. What was the, uh, and a very active East Coast hurricane decade it was, too. What, Correct. What, uh, what is the lowest temperature ever recorded in the month of September within three? Well, I know that 50, I think, is as low as it ever got in August. September, I'll say 39. Oh, I don't think ding, 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 39. 39. Oh, you get to reach into Bob Barker's pocket and pick, take out a hundred bucks or whatever they give out these days. They get the Jack Benny award for right. that. Yes. And, um, uh, the uh, year, want to take a guess on the year? Oh, probably was before steam engines started uh, polluting the atmosphere, as yeah. the late Tex Antoine would say. I, I, uh, uh, how about uh, 1917? Oh, you know what? Pretty close. 1912. The year of the Titanic. That's right. Uh, right. What was the lowest high temperature ever in September? The lowest high temperature. And this is within three. Oh, God. I, wouldn't, I would not doubt that the lowest. How about 51? Very good. 51 uh, is the correct. Really? Yes, 51. I hit that. Wow. Yes, you did. Uh, and the date? Uh, 1923. September 19th, 1885. 1885. What was, wow. the, what was the most rain ever recorded in the month of September within five inches? Oh, uh, Within five inches, you give me that much of a leeway. Mm -hmm. Five inches. Now wait a minute. The most rain is that? A, you mean in twenty-four hours or the no, most no, rain? No, no. This, is, this is the. I'm sorry, but this is the monthly rainfall record for the month. Oh, oh. Within five. Well, we've been seeing these records we that we've been approaching in July and August have been like eleven inches and ten inches or whatever. Now September, you know, maybe a hurricane or two. And a how about uh, twelve point five inches? 16.85 in 1882, but you wow. had to be within five, so you were within five. Okay. Well, you know what? 1882, and I mentioned this in, on my uh, commentary about Ida last uh, few days ago, that 1882, we had the greatest 24-hour total for rainfall at Central Park in 1882. Okay, so that, may, that explains the 1685 then. Right. Right. I think so. We had like eight or nine inches in one day in 1882. So right there, you had half of the uh, the 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 total complement for the entire month fall in one day. That that must have been something. And the bonus question is that um, 50, exactly 50 years ago, Labor Day, uh, this major U.S. city received its earliest snowfall ever of four to eight inches. What was that city? Oh, it's a major city. Well, Joe, it's not it was a, just a year. It, it, no, but it, it was just a. It was just a year ago, Joe, that we had the the Denver '97, followed two days later by the blizzard. Right. Uh, so, I'd, it'd have to be someplace elevated or whatever. I won't say Denver. How about? Um, I'm torn between Casper, Wyoming, and Salt Lake City, Utah. I'll say Casper, Wyoming. You should have said Denver. Denver? Yep. Really? You should have said Denver uh, because wow. Denver was the correct answer. So you didn't get the bonus question, but you did pretty good uh, with uh, with all the others, uh, which is a uh, which is a big plus. So well, that's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. So we had our little rants at the beginning of the show, uh, and we managed our our way through it. 
So thanks everybody uh, for being here tonight. Uh, there, uh, there pro uh, I'm pretty sure there won't be a show tomorrow night, uh, barring a miracle. Uh, that so you're going we'll, all the way down. To, you're going down to what? Seaside Heights. I'm going down Ocean. Oh yeah, I'm going down to to uh, to uh, uh, Seaside for the day. So I I right. doubt I you know. I kind of want to spend the day there uh, with Alan, and um, he's got his brother-in-law there too. So uh, I, I, I don't know that I want to get doing a show with uh, with him would be the right uh, that would be the right time. So uh, we'll we'll save it for another day. Uh, so um, so no Joe and Joe show tomorrow, uh, but uh, we will be back Wednesday night at the usual shopping time, which is seven thirty Eastern time. Yes. And we should be right in the throes of our latest bout of rain. Surprise, surprise. So we'll yes. see how that takes off. All right. So everybody, have a great evening. I uh, hope you're recovering from uh, – I uh, hope Ida was gentle to you, and hopefully you're uh, slowly but surely recovering uh, from uh, from any damage that you might have uh, the fl and flooding. Hopefully you don't, but I know a lot of people do, and some people had it that never thought they would see it. But – this is what this is what happens sometimes when uh, everything comes together in the in the wrong way as it did this time around. So have a great right. night, and we will uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. Nighty night, everybody. Bye bye, folks.